So welcome everybody to another Forever Living podcast. I'm Bob Parker, Forever Living's country manager here in the UK. I also have responsibility for Ireland and Iceland. And today I'm delighted to welcome Susanna Schofield, OBE and Director General of the Direct Selling Association, the industry body for the direct selling channel of retail here in the UK. Prior to Susanna's appointment as leader of the Direct Selling Association, Susanna spent 18 years at the Royal Mail, uh, culminating in a board level role of commercial and innovation director, where she led a team of 300 people. She is a passionate advocate for women and young people in business. Susanna was awarded an OBE for her work in this area in the 2015 Queen's Honours List. She continues to champion women in business, is a regular speaker on the importance of flexible working and portfolio careers. As well as being a published author of a business strategy book called Mind the Gap, Susanna has lectured for the University of Kent and City, University of London, and has also served as an advisor to the Department of Business, Innovation and Skills. Alongside her role as Director General of the DSA, Susanna remains actively involved in two businesses which she founded, the consulting group Dice Matrix and global sports app Pitch Sports. So Susanna, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I know we're going to have a great conversation. It's been an amazing um, year, if not a different year for the association. So welcome, Susanna. Thank you, Bob. Thank you very much for having me. You're very welcome. Let's start with um, just setting the scene a little bit around the Direct Selling Association. In all of our podcasts, Susanna, I'm conscious that we have a lot of our newer business owners just starting on their forever journey, listening in to get some detailed knowledge about what they've joined. Um, tell us a little bit about the role of the association. Of course. Well, the Direct Selling Association, Bob, was established actually in 1965 and is the recognised trade body for direct sales um, and direct selling in the UK. Um, and, you know, we, we've got some amazing members. They range from some of the UK's best and most loved brands, obviously yourselves forever. But we've then got the likes of The Body Shop and Osborne Books um, and some real high street stores, even Neil's Yard. So there's some really different, different things that happen and some different bodies that do. Some companies have a retail present on present on the high street and others um, others much like yourselves just use this channel to market but to summarize that there's approximately 563,000 people involved in direct selling in the UK at the moment um, and it equates to in the last reading about 2.7 billion pounds worth of goods sold to uh, to the consumer but I, I'm hazarding a guess that will actually have increased in 2020 uh, you know I, I I bullishly at the start of the year Bob predicted double digit growth and I said to uh, I said to our PR team at the time gosh I hope at the beginning of 2020 saying we're going to see double digit growth isn't going to come back and bite me I had no idea of a global pandemic that was about to strike and actually when it hit first time I'll be totally honest I thought how as I as a direct-to-consumer business model are we ever going to survive a social shutdown you know if you start isolating and you literally we are a social selling business and I thought if that world changes we're ultimately doomed and I, I remember the news coming out back at the beginning of March where Boris was going to shut the country for three weeks and thinking we're absolutely doomed but where I think this sector is amazing is it's, it's innovation it's um, revolution not even or evolution not even revolution they people really have grabbed this opportunity and actually 
2020 saw treble digit growth for the industry, which is phenomenal. Um, and I think really, really sets the stone for us, us moving forward. Um, and I think the most interesting thing is back in 2015, over a third of the UK population, some 34% had bought products from the direct sales channel. And I think it's more than twice that now. I think well over half of the population will have bought it because through lockdown, we provided, and you know, especially companies like yourself, provided some ex exceptional innovation um, and also really delivered to those that were shielding and isolating. So yes, it's been an interesting year. Um, I've been here for nearly two years now, um, which is incredible, absolutely amazing. It's been a whirlwind of a, a whirlwind of a ride, but, uh, but yeah, here's to the next two. <laughs> it's gone amazingly quickly and on a screensaver on my computer that I actually there was a photograph of myself, you and Andy um, signing your contract in London. And it seemed, in some ways it seems longer than two years and then in other ways it seems to have gone uh, really, really uh, quickly. But you're right, just to pick up on a couple of your points there, I think we all felt uh, similarly when, you know, we were faced with lockdown last March, there was concern for all of us, I think, about how would our businesses migrate uh, to being online. I think we've seen strong growth across all of the companies in the direct selling association in this um, past period. And personally, I've been in awe of some of our business owners and how creative they've been, you know, having very many of them built their businesses predominantly on a face-to-face -face interaction with their customers to put everything online and get the results they have has been uh, absolutely incredible. And um, of course, in, by contrast, the retail sector, the conventional retail sector and the high street shop has been absolutely decimated. Um, what, what are your thoughts on, you know, the mindset now and the attitude of the general public to, to the retail sector that they knew and, you know, how they now feel about buying online? Well, I, it's interesting. It is interesting, Bob. And I, I think the retail sector has changed and will have changed forever. So obviously, you know, one, one of my specialisms is neuroscience. And I love the bit of the brain that makes us think and why we operate and what we do. So we form habits in six weeks. So they always say, you know, the first six weeks you spend in prison are the hardest because then you just get into the routine. Or the first six weeks having a baby are the most life changing because actually it takes us six weeks to get into a habitual routine. Now, when we started seeing the DS or the direct selling world increase, um, my fear was was that people would buy things first time round in the first lockdown and then they would go back to their standard retail habits but actually the quality of the products and you know this forever have won some phenomenal awards for for their products but the quality of the products started seeing people repeat purchase within that six weeks but that six weeks has nearly become a year now yeah. and although there has been some opening up of retail in my mind, the retail world has changed from being a very leisure activity, a something you would take the kids to for a day, you would rummage through, you'd have a wander, you might have some lunch out, you'd have a look at through the different shops, has now very much become a transactional, I need, I buy. And interestingly, I think it's made us break all of those habitual routines we have. You know, I've, I've changed my perfume because I could only buy it in one shop and that shop's closed. I've changed my deodorant because actually I couldn't get it. And I, I think there's things that now it's opened my mind Mind, not only to be more open but also it's taken away the pleasure that retail shopping is and I I don't see the masks sadly disappearing I have a personal hatred for them and I I fear for without getting too deep now I, I fear for a generation of people um, you know we've had babies born at the beginning of this pandemic that outside their family home have never seen another person smile 
And from a psychological perspective, that actually quite scares me. And, and I, I think we, you know, we, we will take a long time from a mental health and community perspective to come out of this. But, you know, you touched earlier about the innovation. What, what the direct selling world has done is they've given people the pleasure of retail, but from the safety of their own home. And they've supplied people who are vulnerable and having to shield with essential things that make us feel good. You know, I, I've got up every single morning throughout this lockdown and I've got dressed, I've put a suit on, I've put lipstick on, I've put a full face on, my earrings always match my outfit. I've done my hair, I've done my run, I've done everything that I need to do. And I've done that every day because actually I think it's very easy to get into the no bra tracksuit bottoms. And I'm not criticizing, if that's what rocks your world do it but for me to do a full day's job I have to dress as if someone were going to pop in or I needed to go to the office so makeup was very important so actually I bought you know I bought from the direct selling world because it was the best way of getting it to my door but it's made me more experimental about how I want to buy and what I want to buy and I think if we look back at the way the retail world was moving actually many stores were putting in what they called experience centers and you could watch something you could watch a video you could watch a demo of how to put makeup on you could see how best to massage your body you know whatever it was they were selling they were putting these little pop-ups in there and, and what the direct selling world has done is they've almost taken that concept of experience and pop-up right into people's home through zoom and through you know that connectivity through virtually doing it through streaming videos pre-recorded stuff all the amazing things that have gone on and changed the retail world and i think as we start to see for people being able to get together in small numbers again, actually, I think we'll see the face-to-face -face from direct selling increase, but within a very small environment. So I think you'll have shared parties, you'll have shared experiences, but it will be social and, uh, and far different. And, and I, I think we will see an awful lot of larger business, retail businesses look to use this direct-to-consumer business model. I fully, fully expect some of the big FMCGs where, you know, we used to go to Tesco's or Sainsbury's or, you know, which I politically now need to say other supermarkets are available. Don't uh, I? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we used to go shopping and someone would be standing at the end with a sample and you taste that sample. Well, that, that's never going to happen again. I don't, I don't foresee in a, a good, probably not until 2022 would they consider that. So how will they get those products through the door? And I think it will be really interesting that people like, you know, companies like Forever who have been around forever, no pun intended, and with such a legacy um, are, are going to be in the best position because they're leading the way. And I, I genuinely think retail habits will, will have changed forever. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, even for our business owners and for us getting back to live events, they will need to be absolutely an experience, you know, something that, you know, people can't perhaps get on online. Just to pick up on a point you made earlier on about, you know, obviously the psychological, potential psychological damage done by lockdown and people not being able to see their loved ones, friends, family, or even just interacting the way that we do as humans, uh, you know, pop into the local pub for a pint or whatever, simple little examples of that. One of the um, things that we have um, experienced in lockdown is feedback from our business owners, and I'm sure it's true of the other companies in our sector, of how much they valued the community that you have when you're a business owner, that you're part of a supportive community within Forever Living where you, know, you can interact with each other. And I think that's been a greater value perhaps in this time than we would have uh, recognised. It's, it's been interesting to observe.
you know, Bob, I completely agree. And it's strange. Like I'm often asked as the director general, you know, what, how much do people earn and what, what's the opportunity? And actually the, the figure we quote, which was from an Ipsos Mori um, uh, research piece carried out with Seldia in uh, 2018, if memory serves, um, is £372 a month as average earnings. But lots of people do this, you know, very part time and, and in around other things. But strangely, we've just carried out a direct selling um, association um, uh, survey of which we've had an incredible, we'll be coming up with the results soon, but we've had over 4,000 responses, which is fantastic from across the board, all independent, completely unsolicited, you know, answer the survey if you wish to, uh, which is great. But where that's been interested is, is people actually join not for the money as a whole. They join for that community. They join for self-growth. They join for the opportunity to meet people and to have something to talk about. And they also join for the passion of the product. And this is something when someone says, can I set up a business? Can I do it? I always say to people, if you already love the product and you already use it, you are a natural 100% authentic mini influencer because you're not being paid to represent something. You're already using it. If you buy a product and you use it and you think, well, I don't really like that, but I might make some money out of it. This probably won't work for you because that passion and especially now we have to be authentic in what we offer people. And that kind of day of, you know, I listened to Sir Alan Sugar at the beginning of when The Apprentice was set up and it was all very much like everyone can sell. Don't care whether you believe in it, just get out there and sell. And that doesn't work in today's world and especially not now. It's, it's too cutthroat. You can get things too quickly and too easily. So if I say to somebody, you have to use this lipstick because it's amazing and I really think you've got to try it. Or the, you know, one of your, your, I'll use one of your aloe vera creams, which is incredible. Um, you know, and I would say to anybody, you have to try Forever's aloe vera because it, it's phenomenal and it's the best. So that then becomes an authentic sale. And I, I don't even really have to try because someone will then say, oh, well, where do I get that? Oh. It's funny you should say, I've got it right here. So that kind of natural progression is, is easy. And I, I think for us, as you say, that the community of helping and, and the ability to almost have a conversation that ends up in a sale it, yeah. it is a great way of earning extra money. But yeah, I always say to people, there's so much more to this industry than just, just money, so much more. And I, I think I've never, you know, I, I sit, I'm lucky enough to sit with, with you on my board and some amazing people. And it doesn't cease to amaze me. People share their opinions, their advice on what's working for them. And when a company's tried something, spent money on advertising it, and it's a product that's failed, they come back and share that. Now, I don't believe there's another retail sector in the world or even another industry that shares that level of integrity and that level of debate, uh, which is fantastic. And I, I think holds firm as to why it's such an amazing sector. It is, and it's a great, actually, um, it's a great supportive um, environment uh, on the board of the Direct Selling Association. You're absolutely right. I've not been privy to other industries, but I, like you, I can't imagine very many other industries where people who essentially could be termed as being in competition with each other, share best practice and encourage each other. But that's what we do. And I think we do that because we recognise, you know, our industry is so untouched. You know, the, the marketplace is, is wide open for us. Just to, to pick up on, 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 on some of those areas there, you know, in your survey, I would imagine you, you did um, get um, feedback about the very many reasons that people get started. We, we've run a, we run a monthly recognition event within Forever where we uh, are able to reach out and recognise people who've had the courage to start their own business and achieve certain things within their, their own business. And it's amazing the number of people that we're now recognising that didn't actually start their business till after the pandemic started. So their only experience of building a forever business has been in lockdown or restricted movement. And it's uh, amazing to see. What sort of thing 
the survey did people think were important to them as reasons why they'd started their own business? Well, I have to be very careful here. I don't give too much away. Otherwise, the team back at the DSA will never forgive me if I give it all well, that. But, but take bit, the survey out before you've published it. Okay. Say, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Say, but hot off the press is a couple of bullet points. So one of the things is the love of the products. So yeah. many people are involved. And where I think that's nice and echoing back on what you were saying, where it's formed and the board, you know, everybody supports everybody in the sector. Actually, because I think you choose a product that works for you and then you tend not to flit. And I think those people that build businesses loyally around the product and stay loyal um, tend to tend to build better and stronger businesses because they become known for that brand and they become known for selling that. Whereas, you know, lots of movement and lots of flitting around, you sort of look like you're in it to make money and trying to settle and find the right place. So I think that longevity um, was very important. And, and, and almost all of those that answered said that, that it was the love of the product that got them into it in the first place, which is great because then, you know, it's, we're all about selling products and, and, you know, that authentic sell is really important. Um, secondly, was that community, was that sense of being part of a team, being part of a journey. Um, and then I think some, somewhere down there came the money. You know, obviously people want to earn the money, but it wasn't the primary driver as to why, or it might be a, might be a nice secondary income. We had a lot of people who now say it's their primary income, having been, you know, having had life changing experiences and actually now they won't go back. I think, um, you know, that the sector will, the sector's changed and will do, but there's, there's yeah, there's going to be some really interesting things that come out of that. But I think the loyalty to those consultants, to the products that they sell is probably why we can, you know, why we can, why we can all get on so well. Uh, recently, I saw another survey, I can't think of who it was, but an independent survey again, that um, identified quite a sector of our population in the UK would like to start their own business. And uh, within that survey, the age group that was most motivated to start their own business was the 18 to 35 year old age group, which really reinforces what you have just said. You know, the younger generation don't want to live their lives the same way that perhaps many of us have, where we've gone to a place of work every day, We've been, you know, in that place of work and in a, a controlled environment. They want that portfolio income. They want that flexible income. And, you know, that's what I love about our, ch our channel. As a, as, a, as a business owner for one of our member companies, you're not having to employ staff. You're not having to take on business premises. You don't even have to really hold any stock. You know, you are just the, the connector between yeah. the company and the customer. And for that, you get paid. It's, uh, that, it's a great sector. It's great. And that's what's so lovely, Bob, isn't it? Is that you can step into this without any risk. And I think that's where so many people, you know, it's that thing, isn't it? Don't take on huge retail premises, gosh, especially at the moment. You don't need reams and reams of legal work and PAYE and all of that sort of thing. You can just have a go at it, see how it works and then build it from there. So it's those bite-sized chunks that's not scary. And yes, if you want to go on and create a huge team and end up working big, then yeah, but you learn as you go. And there's an infrastructure around to support that and to help you do that rather than setting out on your own and needing to take legal advice here and pay for accountants and all of that sort of thing it's it's all works within you know baby steps at the start and i i think this year has probably allowed people sitting at home to think do you know what i'm going to give it a go because i might as well and what's the worst that can happen and you know there's the dog dr pepper advert isn't it what's the worst that can happen is that it allows people to, to have a have a go at it and then it becomes something that they enjoy and they get part of the community and actually as you say not having to hold any stock not having to commit to a certain amount just do it as you want to do it and see how you go is, is a great place to be it's a great sector one final question for you Susanna what are your predictions for 2021 and, and, and the sector and, and what specifically will the DSA as, a, as, a, as an association be focusing on this year 
So I am, I'm hopeful, I'm hopeful at some point towards the end of the year, we will be able to have a conference face to face. You know, and I really do hope that I hope we can celebrate some of the amazing things that people have done um, in, in the kind of well, what will be probably 18 months pre. Um, I think we will see more and more retail businesses step into the direct to consumer market and use the business model. Uh, we saw a couple of big people um, take a look at this before lockdown. Closing of retail stores has only reiterated the importance of having a relationship with your customer. Um, I think those companies that already do this will go from strength to strength. I think our retail world has changed phenomenally and won't go back quickly. Uh, and I think that gives enormous opportunities for this sector and for those that are already playing in it and, and do well in it. Um, so yes, yeah, so I think it's going to be exciting. I'm hoping, hoping that we will all be able to do some traveling and that we will get that community back. But where I think it's going to be really good for this sector is having that mixture of what we've learned in the last 18 months and keeping hold of that. Because some of the virtual conferences and some of the virtual parties and the virtual demos actually enable people to connect more frequently or have open parties where people can just join, which would take a lot of organizing and a bit too much time. So I think there'll be a, a quasi model of half of what we've learned, but moving also into that face-to-face -face and real experimental, you know, where you can experience the products, touch them, feel them, you know, that real tactical or tactile moment. So um, yeah, I think it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be a mixture between tangible activity and virtual activity. And I think together as a sector, we'll, uh, we'll come out stronger. I'm probably not gonna predict another treble digit growth because I think that makes it greedy <laughs> as a sector. <laughs> but I might, be bold, I might be bold and say, we'll see double digit again, for sure. I think, uh, right. I think there'll be some big companies stepping into it. And, uh, and yeah, it's, uh, let's, um, they'll just be beating the drum that they need to sell the, or, you know, join the direct selling association without any doubt whatsoever. I think as a result of uh, the progress that we're making here and, and the, uh, the focus on our sector and people moving into our sector, I think our acceptance will become greater uh, at every level with governments recognising the contribution that we make to, um, you know, tax, for example, and, uh, and, and supporting people, as you mentioned, you know, over half a million business owners associated with companies attached to the Direct Selling Association. Um, I think that can only be good for all of us. Completely. And, you know, I've been beating the John government just to, to recognise yeah. this and to be much more of a, you know, to be seen as a as a just a direct consumer sales arm. And I think it's very important and not to be self-regulating, but to be recognised for the industry and the sector that it is. And the huge, as I said earlier, you know, £2.7 billion is what it was in the last um, thing. I, I think that's even more now. We are a huge contributor to the retail sector and where where, uh, where people couldn't get vital supplies through lockdown, we, we were able to do that. So I think it's really important that, um, that yeah, we we get recognised for the great work that we do. An exciting time for everybody involved in our industry, I think. Indeed, absolutely, absolutely. Susanna, thanks so much for your time today. I know that everybody listening to this podcast will have got a great deal of confidence about the business that they've joined and the industry that they're in. So uh, we really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me, Bob. Thank you. Talk to you soon.